Hello, friend. You are listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod, an all things Wizard of Oz podcast that will take you over the rainbow and down a yellow brick rabbit hole as we pull back the curtain on American culture's most visited fairyland. We are your hosts, Tara and MK, the royal revisionists of Oz and roommates in Queens, New York here to preserve the rustic emeralds of yesteryear and reimagine an Oz for today and future generations. This season, we will be deep diving with the melodies of the many musical adaptations of L. Frank Baum's original Oz book, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, taking up residency in the 1939 classic MGM film, as well as the 70s super soul hit, The Wiz. Visit our Insta at Down the Yellow Brick Pod for an accompanying scrapbook and fave space to connect, as well as our Patreon community where we continue the escapism and entertainment with Tiny Oz concerts, acoustic coffee shop covers and mashups, not sponsored by NPR, and other good witchy perks for each Patreon tier. Our Patreons are truly our MVPs. Consider joining our Oz fam today, it would truly make our day. May the world of Oz continue to be a bewitching escape in bewildering years, nostalgic and nuanced, and a magical refuge where two gals and queens can cross yellow brick roads with wonders like you. Sayward Darby is the editor-in-chief of The Atavist Magazine and the author of Sisters in Hate, American Women and White Extremism out in paperback October 19th. You can follow her on Twitter at Sayward Darby. Ariel Ramchandani is a freelance journalist. She's written for The Economist, The Guardian, Wired, The Wall Street Journal Magazine, and The Atavist Magazine, among other publications, and writes regularly for The Atlantic. She is a former assistant editor of 1843, The Economist's Culture Magazine. My goodness. Hi, Tara. Hello, Ariel. And hello, Sayward. We are so excited to have the incredible hosts and creators of the No Place Like Home podcast here on Down the Yellow Brick Pod. We've definitely been fangirling all morning and since we started listening to this incredible podcast earlier this summer. So thank you, Ariel. Thank you, Sayward, so much for being here. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're excited. Awesome. So I would love to take us on back to the very first episode of No Place Like Home, where you set the scene of how this idea hatched, how it was created. Um, You mentioned, so Sayward is the editor of Atavist Magazine. And Sayward, you mentioned that in 2018, you read about the slippers and it piqued your interest. So I'd love to know where exactly you were reading about the slippers, which then led you to reach out to Ariel who is a journalist and who you knew loved quirky crime narratives. So please (laughs) unpack that for us. What's your relationship prior to starting this podcast? Take us back to the, the beginnings. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, 2018 feels like a century ago, uh, given everything that's <laughs> happened in the world between now and then. Yeah. But uh, you know, I think I first read about the slippers being returned um, in, I want to say it was a CNN article or maybe even a yeah. an AP article, you know, something that was a pretty basic, you know, the FBI announced today that, I mean, I'm giving away that the slippers were returned. <laughs> um, and no the, Atavist, <laughs> the Atavist as a magazine, so we publish one story a month online and it's a long form narrative nonfiction yarn, basically. And so we're always looking for fun I mean, we do a lot of true crime. We do a lot of kind of historical narratives. But then I'm always looking for stuff that's a little lighter um, and that has a lot of potential uh, to, I mean, in this case, you know, who doesn't have some association with The Wizard of Oz? And it just seemed like there was a lot to unpack there. And Ariel and I, we'd never worked together directly. Ariel had written for The Atavist before, but uh, it was an article before I became the editor. So we had never worked together on a project, but we'd been talking about finding something. And uh, and I sent it to Ariel, uh, sent her the link, and she was like, totally. <laughs> I want to do this. Um, and so, yeah, it was, I think that was September ish of 2018. And then you were in Minnesota, like three or four weeks later to start reporting. <laughs> it was really soon that. after. Wow. That. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. And so Ariel, uh, from your end, when you received this email about maybe diving into this whole heist, what stirred in your brain or your imagination? Uh, well, I love, love, love art heist stories, like really just love them um, and had never written one, but always like had thought about finding one or one I like to do. Um, and I love The Wizard of Oz. And I actually at that point, I had a really young kid. I had like a one year old. I was sort of like re like the slow process of reliving your childhood kind of comes yeah. comes through <laughs> and like something related to The Wizard of Oz felt like really fun. And then there was like this art heist. Um, I mean, also, I just the idea of it happening in this small town in Minnesota really captivated me, you know, like Sayward was like, figure out what's happening. So I call, I try to call the Bureau of Commerce or whatever, I call the wrong Grand Rapids, like the one in Michigan, and everyone's like, Oh, this happens all the time. You know, they're just like so small and, and confused for this other Grand Rapids. And then, yeah, I went there, I think, three weeks later. So I was in Minnesota in October um, and everyone was so nice. And it was just like this really great reporting, sort of like textbook perfect reporting experience where you really feel like you're getting like a handle on the people and and connecting and connecting with a story um, about something that, you know, is on one hand very small, but also just means so much to so many people and just takes on so much significance. It just seemed like kind of a perfect, perfect story. Yeah. And we at the time, because uh, the Atavist had never done a narrative podcast before. And so we had initially thought of this as just being an article. Um, but then, you know, Ari and I talked and talked and talked. <laughs> and in the course of it, um, we kept, you know, remarking on how how much audio potential there was, not only because you have these wonderful characters, like local characters in, in Minnesota, but also just the sheer, you know, depth of archival audio that's available, whether you're talking about the Wizard of Oz itself or Judy Garland or things from the memorabilia community or the Oz fan community. Um, and so, you know, I think it, we always 
wanted to do it as a podcast in a way. And then uh, we were able to, or Ariel, I should say, was able to sell it, sell the idea to Cadence 13, um, which was totally into it. And that was kind of the perfect marriage of resources. (laughs) Um, And I, you know, Ariel did write like a beautiful prologue that's available on the Atavist website where you can kind of read about, uh, you know, a a framing of sorts for for the podcast. Um, But then, yeah, we were we were also neophytes. Like we had no idea what we were doing on a podcast. (laughs) Like, yes, we had no audio experience. But we were like, we're we're sure it's going to be great. It's going to be great. We just we we had so many moments where we were like, just trust in Judy. Like, yes, yes, yes. It was really like Saint Judy too. I feel like she was our um, she was our guiding star. Totally. <laughs> doing those. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with Judy as your guiding star. <laughs> you're you're so right, Ariel. Like this is perfectly laid out for anyone, even if you're not obsessed with the Wizard of Oz like we are. I feel like if you are in any way interested in small town crime or art crime, as you mentioned, this is just like picture perfect material it's such, for inter- that. it's such a good intersection of so many things that I think it's hard to not be an American and identify with one of them I feel like mm-hmm. like and then be curious about the others because yeah. of this um and I love how you're um it really was exciting to listen to like especially how they're the inter the interspersing of the movie audio and how much there is this like the Wicked Witch felt with me when listening to, <laughs> to it, like her just like needing the shoes. Yeah. And I was like, do we all become the Wicked Witch a little bit with needing the shoes? Right. Like, is that like a symbol for us too? And like our materialistic, whatever, like I just, there's something mm-hmm. that rang true there as while listening. Yeah. Um, can I ask a question about some of the characters that you met? <laughs> on this journey i don't want to get too far into it but like i mean we're gonna get far into it so let's just begin um i have my opinions i guess just based off of what you all presented of like who i trust and do Mm -hmm. not trust like who i feel is like performing in this podcast and who is like genuinely telling the truth um what was that how do you sift through that as like trying to remain in a neutral zone yeah. and like taking that in I feel like I was like this is why you're not a journalist you'd be like what do you mean by that there'd be no way so how is that process just meeting all these different people and then getting two different sides of the coin um we talked a lot about this when we when we were making the show um because first of all, people, like you're saying, people have really visceral reactions to certain characters. For example, I will say Mr. Shaw, the shoes uh, former yes. owner, people just have really strong feelings about him, sort of almost no matter what he does. He's almost like a tragic figure in that way. Is that no matter yep. no matter where he is in the world, like he just gets he gets at people a little bit. Um and, you know, with other characters as well, this idea that it's audio, right? You know, they're going to say their piece. It's different than a story where you're just using a little bit of the quote and then maybe you're kind of also saying, yeah. wait, but we don't think that's true. And we, we did that a little, but it was really about like what we felt comfortable using where they were able to really be themselves and present their point of view while also kind of tempering it to what we knew to be fact or like what we thought thought might be true but it was I mean it's like a a story where it's a lot of people thinking about the same events right and they all have a different take on it and they all have a different story and also in both the collecting community and Grand Rapids there's there are rumor mills so everyone's like repeating each other's stories over and over and over again and you don't really know (laughs) you don't really know what the truth was and I did have moments you know because I really 
like I always felt really close to the museum staff and on the um, sort of like on their side. But then you have those moments where you're like, was it an inside job? You know, you, you, you get like where you want to kind of step back and make sure that you are are being, um, you know, more impartial about the material presented. And I think like Sarah as an editor, I think you kind of had feelings about this, too, about how we, how we present these sort of in some ways like outsized characters. Um, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, this is something, I mean, we talked about it kind of from go before we even knew it was going to be a podcast. It was like, how do you tell stories about the stories people tell, right? Because that's essentially what this is. And um, and so it was very important to let people tell the stories they wanted to tell, because otherwise you couldn't get the full picture of, you know, what this event meant to to people in various communities, whether you're talking about the collecting community, the Oz fan community, or, you know, Grand Rapids. Um, and so it was a matter of how do we let that roll, basically, but then also take a step back at key points to say, but that's not actually true or there's nothing to back it up um, or, you know, regardless of truth, like, you know, that didn't matter or whatever. And so um, certainly in the editing of the scripts, that was something where, um, you know, us as hosts, like finding ways to weave the stories people were telling in with what we knew to be true. And I should say we fact-checked the entire, um, we had a fact-checker do the entire show, uh, which was hugely, hugely helpful. Um, and we had, we had a great team overall, including a researcher who was just tremendously helpful in, in finding materials. But then having somebody fact check. Um, and I realize fact checking is not the most glamorous sounding thing in the world, but it can also be so helpful, not just, oh, you know, yeah, you got this quote right. Or, you know, oh, you are pronouncing this person's name wrong. But also, are we being fair to the gist of something? Are we being fair to the spirit of the story someone was telling by pulling out, you know, this particular quote or something like that? Um, and so we were, point being, we were just really sensitive to this stuff. Um, and, uh, and I think, you know, e e even people who've listened to the podcast all the way through know what we know. Like some people still have theories. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, but you can't like theories. dissuade them. <laughs> you can't dissuade it's them. They're much. like, no, yeah. I'm sure that this is this what is happened. This is what happened. And, yeah. and one, one thing Ariel and I just personally over the years, you know, one of the sort of facts factors that we puzzled over was this question of the prominent person who was involved. And very early on, I think that when we heard that, that a prominent person was involved somehow, for us, we were like, oh, it's got to be a Hollywood celebrity, right? Like, it's got to be, it's like prominent must mean like famous by any standard, right? And then the deeper we got into the case, and especially I think the more that um, Ariel really got to know people in Minnesota, we were like, maybe this person is prominent by like Minnesota standards, or even like Grand Minnesota. rapid standards, you know, and that completely changes the ball game because then you're like, oh, wait. And then, you know, the, the, the frame of investigation like shifts. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, Ariel and I've definitely like traded many, many theories over, yeah. <laughs> over the years. <laughs> what were some of the best ones that people mm. like are, are hard on? Like, this is definitely what happened that they believe in their gut that you're like, well, we could just prove that or <laughs> no. My, 
like favorite favorite theory and it comes up so much is like that the shoes were stolen for practical wearing purposes like so and so took them because they need to wear them in their house or they need to wear them to this thing like i just love that just the idea of like stealing a beloved movie prop worth millions because like you desperately need a pair of red shoes like right. i can't find them anywhere else. the trailer park <laughs> story the trailer park story got me or the ones that like they found the boots they were like yeah. oh, the stripper yeah. shoes the stripper right. shoes I was like, that's hilarious that that was like a lead for a second. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I think they really thought it too. I mean, because there were all these times where people were so convinced that they had found them that it was very hard not to get wrapped up in it and to, you know, think that they were there. And then, yeah, it was like the stripper shoes are all the stories about (laughs) them being in another city or like, you know, and even the stories about them being destroyed was just sort of this like, what if and through the rumor mill it just kept going and going and you know this idea like of being close to the people want to be close to the story yeah and so yeah, it, right. it kind of made it really complicated yeah and they um, wanted to help deliver a happy ending right yeah um, yeah they wanted to be the hero of sorts um in in the story that they were seeking to tell and the thing that's always struck me as hilarious about the practical theory that somebody you know wants to wear them around their house or whatever um, okay. is Judy had the smallest feet. Like, I know, she, like so they're so tiny. And it's like the, like whose feet <laughs> would reasonably fit in those shoes, you know? Um, and so that was always a funny, it was like, that doesn't, I mean, I guess somebody could jam their feet in there if they really wanted to, but yeah, they, would <laughs> like, they would not be comfortable for most adults to wear. So. Totally. They're also like ancient at this point too. I'm sure. Sure, that happens. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers. There's so like I'm gonna go back and listen to the whole show again because you're you have your initial opinions and your own perspective. That jade your your understanding. Like I definitely did not like Michael Shaw. I'll just be honest. Like I was just like he is icky to me. He's a part of that culture that it's mine. And like you can't have it, which makes me be like, "E." I want to do a but character now, study. I want to like just go into it, being like, "What if he's a good person?" Right. Like just like just tell myself that, and like yes. <laughs> see what I think of him the next time. Yes, and that's why this is so complicated and so worthy of your time and our time as listeners. And what we just said about the stripper shoes is so funny. I was really intrigued by Detective Brian Matson. I love him. He. <laughs> would say that he would get all these crazy clues, but he would have to at least give them the time of day because truly you never know as Those a detective Those what it could lead to. He had, right? He's the guy with the coins. Oh, yeah, and, and Bob Stein was the yeah. one who, who had them made up. But Matson was the one who really ran down all of those, oh, all those leads. I mean, they both did. And and even, like, more people that we didn't, the, you know, the Grand Rapids Police Department, they had so many people working on this case at different times. And it's feeling like no matter how strange you have to follow it up. And, you know, it was so different from when they started from the world that they were from, right? It's like all of a sudden they're in like sh- blogs about ruby slippers and memorabilia <laughs> collectors. And they're just like, you know, it's it's a totally different world that they're having to kind of like follow up leads on and try to get comfortable in. Um, and I think it was really, you know, it's it was, I, I, I really enjoyed talking with them as well. I also felt like this idea of sort of like heroes of a, of a story, you know, just like that they had sort of like stumbled into something that first felt like a real kind of pain. Like you have to find these shoes that like were in your town for a minute and got stolen. And 
and, and have become part of this. Now they're part of this history, this like movie made for a movie story. Um, and they're living through it. And also just like spent a lot of years looking at the bottom of mine pits for shoes and stuff like that. <laughs> Yeah, we, we talked uh, mine pits uh, were oh such God. a big part of, <laughs> of this story. I've never thought so much about mine pits in my life. Um, but, you know, we also talked about how when they were dredging these mine pits or whatever, you know, dragging, I should say, like the bottom, sending divers down. There was also this like nobody actually wanted to find them there because if they found them, that meant they'd been destroyed. Like if they had been submerged, I guess there was that one theory that they were maybe like inside a container at the bottom. In a coffee can. In a coffee can can at the bottom. Yeah, it was like, but, but you know, what's so fascinating about that to me is like, again, nobody wanted them to be destroyed. They needed to be found in good condition for this to be a happy ending. Nobody, you know, is hurt or dies in this story. It's a question of like, not only do you find the slippers, but are they in the condition that, you know, allows them to continue to be this iconic piece of memorabilia? Um, and so the the whole mind pit thing, in some ways, like, it was a relief that they weren't found every time they weren't found, because that meant the, the, the hope that they were still in the form they needed to be or people wanted them to be, you know, was still was still possible. And even like the coffee can thing, that's so ridiculous. But if you take a step back and you think like, okay, well, if people are really worried they're submerged, like you're going to come up with this idea that maybe if they're submerged, they're submerged in such a way like in something, <laughs> in something to yeah. protect them, you know? Um, yeah, it's just, uh, I've never, yeah, I've never thought so much about mine pits or the condition of clothing or, you know, accessories. Yeah, like the wear, that sort of like issue of, of how something, yeah, it's sort of what you said about, it's like an old object that, you know, hustling survives. Like it's almost, we talk about the slippers a lot as like, are they a baby? Are they, you know, like, what are they in the story? And now I'm kind of thinking like, they're almost like this lost puppy. Like, you know, there's, they're away for so long and we don't know where they are and we're just hoping that like somebody's taking care of them. Um, and that's kind yeah. of came up a lot. Yeah. Dog. yeah. Or a religious relic. We, yes. we often yeah. buy right. them as like right. a religious right. relic. Yeah. 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 It's like the old dog in Homeward Bound when he yeah. comes <laughs> oh, oh, wait, what's his name? Yeah. Not Lucky Chance? Yeah. Chance, Chance, I think no. is his name. Oh, oh, no. oh, Shadow, Shadow. Shadow. It's Shadow, Chance, and Sassy. Oh. Sassy, Sassy, the cat. Mini Driver, <laughs> Mini Driver, as the voice. Truly an iconic film. Yeah. There's wow. The shoes are Shadow. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I mean, that's what I keep, I'm reminded of how, how much emotion is wrapped up in this story. And I think Jane Albright, president of the Oz Club. We love her. Whom we love. Um, <laughs> she's amazing. She's incredible. She mentioned this uh, when, when she was interviewed of just the loss that the Oz community felt when these shoes were stolen. Like, yes, it is a piece of mo- movie memorabilia. And some people, like the, 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 some of the detectives are like, why are people freaking out about this? It really does hold such an emotional um piece of our hearts as Oz fans. Um, and I I applaud you both for venturing into this kind of vulnerable, tricky area. And speaking of Michael Shaw, I was really struck by a lot of his answers because it seems like he complied, but it also seems like every now and then you would ask a question that would like, ooh, it would like salt on a wound almost. It would like, he would yeah. um, prickle. Yeah. And so I'm just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing like, any pushback that you received on venturing into this story, whether that's from a person or even just logistical, um, because this is a really big deep dive, pun intended. (laughs) To mine pit. To mine pit. What was the, any sort of pushback that you received? Well, I mean, I I think our biggest 
our biggest roadblock from the beginning is always the FBI, right? Because you, and it's not their, it's not really their fault, maybe. Like, you know, they, they have this information, um, but they don't have all of it. And I think that they don't really know how they can kind of say it. put a bow, put a bow on this or not. Um, and, but it's like, you know, that they know more than you know. And so we were going in there and like, you know, it's annoying when somebody knows something that you don't know and you really want to find out for, and <laughs> yeah. for three years, that's, you know, we've really wanted to find out. So that, and sort of, it was like, okay, well, if we don't have that, how do we build out this story? Like, how do we make an ending and find an ending uh, with what we have and what we can get and kind of like pulling string through the, the sources we have and the people who we sort of really developed relationships with. And then, yeah, there were interviews that, like Michael talking to Michael Shower, you know, you're not getting every, you're not getting the the whole story necessarily. Um, but also, I do feel it is, you know, I felt I felt his emotions were quite genuine. Like, you know, that he really sure. didn't want to talk about it. Um, that it was something where it had been so many years, and it was like he wanted control over this narrative, and the narrative has just like gone on so long and kind of like become out of his control. And frankly, I'll, I'll say I was actually pretty nervous to talk to him because I had called him a few years earlier and it had like been a not good interview. <laughs> like, you know, those interviews where you're like, hmm, okay, different approach next time. And um, this actually was like, you know, in some ways I think it was like a, a, a better a better go, you know, he was more open. Um, and it was funny because he was like, I've, t- I've talked to you for two hours, I'm giving you so much. And we're like, but there's so much you're not telling us that. <laughs> right. um, yeah, and I, mean, I think- mm-hmm. I just said we're dancing around things. Yes, sir. exactly, exactly, where you're like, and then when somebody also, when somebody's getting mad, it's hard to know whether you like keep going or whether to come down or sort of like you come down a little and then, you know, those sort of like, and then you always want, you're always like, I want another run at that person, right? Like you want to be able to do it as many times as, as you oh, need. That's so um, but I do think that was like, you know, this idea of a deep dive that you want to know everything and you can't, you can't. And we, we, I mean, like the end is a little bit of this, like the unknowns, where were the slivers? Like they can't talk to us. They're a pair of shoes, you know, but like, wouldn't you love to know everything <laughs> about, about what happened to them? Um, and there will be things that we might not ever find out. And maybe there'll be more stuff that, that we get to find out coming up. Yeah, hopefully. We're, we're definitely hopeful on that front. And I think that, you know, toward the end, especially um, uh, when we were dealing with law enforcement, um, FBI, but also local, you know, Ariel did such a heroic job of like, one person would say something and we'd be like, okay, now we need to see if we can corroborate it with someone else. But rather than ask the question, we're just going to kind of state it as fact to them and see how they do they contradict it or do they go along with it? And if they, you know, you know, like trying all these different approaches to like getting people to corroborate things. And the whole time it was just mildly hilarious because like, these are obviously tactics that people use when they're investigating, I don't know, murders. And Ariel and I are like, (laughs) Ariel's asking all these questions that are like about missing shoes. I know I'm trying to like pin somebody down. (laughs) So hard. Yeah. So hard on the shoes. And, um, (laughs) toward the end especially there were like the last like two-ish episodes um there were some uh interviews that she would do and I would be in the room and like we had to like dial down some of the like uh, contrast in the in the audio I guess that's what you call it because you can hear me in the background like whispering to Ariel I'm like ask this ask this (laughs) but it's it's entirely based on how the person is reacting to the information anyway it was it was like 
like it, it felt like real like shoe leather yeah. pun intended in, journalism in service of slippers with, in service of shoes it was so yeah. like it it had it was more fun than you know i think most of most deep dives that get to this point actually are because you know like i'm listening to this this podcast suspect right now which is about you know a murder investigation and like similar stuff happening in the question asking but i'm like wow these stakes are <laughs> Yeah, dramatically yeah. different so yeah but they don't uh, yeah, feel it, it they don't feel it with ruby slippers they feel high yeah high. yeah yeah and it no did, i mean it would feel high to the sources too i mean it would really depend and there were some people who were like because it felt so high they wanted to talk or because it felt so high they didn't want to say anything you know this there were people even in the collecting community who'd be like i've spoken up about what i think about this person and i was burned i'm never going to talk or sources who were like I didn't know you were interviewing so-and-so. Now I don't want to be interviewed because we're like mortal enemies. Like we sort of were like stumbling oh, into this. We know that. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and like mortal enemies over like a collecting dispute. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's um, yeah. And that was all just like drama that neither of us was acquainted with going in. <laughs> neither of us is memorabilia is a memorabilia yeah. collector. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was, I feel like there were definitely moments where you would think that something was pretty like anodyne and then you would realize it wasn't and Ariel would have to be like oh wow okay let yes. me like renegotiate the angle on this because it's something that really matters to someone um and you want to respect that even if you know it's not your uh your wheelhouse or whatever what did a breakthrough feel like when you would be like oh my god like <gasps> I haven't heard that yet yeah so uh we did have one breakthrough uh where I was sitting on my couch uh and this has to do with uh we we can't reveal all of the details because legal blah 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 but like there was a thing where we had been trying to track down someone's identity for a while and um and I found him. I found him. And I literally screamed in my apartment. My husband was like, what is happening? That's the other thing. We have husbands who have been like so patient with recording podcasts, like recording this podcast in the course of the pandemic where you can't go to a studio, like you're at home and like talking mm-hmm. about slippers, especially Ariel's husband, I feel <laughs> has been heroic about this. But anyway, so I like screamed and then I called Ariel and I was like, oh my God, I found him. Um, and uh, it felt so good. And it was not like, Again, we couldn't really include everything that we had found for for legal reasons, but it at least like sometimes as a journalist, like even just knowing something, even if you can't publish it or say it, gives shape to a story yeah. in a way that you you're otherwise kind of like this feels formless or like I can't get a sense of like why this happened the way that it did. Um, yeah. And so it was definitely like I'm going to pour myself a drink. Oh wait, it's like two in the afternoon. I should probably wait. Kind of. You're like playing. Yeah. A game. You you are putting puzzle pieces together and you don't even know what the puzzle is it feels like <laughs> exactly totally. it's sort of like a hall of mirrors where you're like is that because so we i will say you know we started getting a lot of pretty good info but it was like all stuff where people were like i'm not supposed to be telling you this and and, and so like being able to like put things together and have like feel like you're not like wait did i imagine all of that you know like being able to kind of put things together um i feel like that felt like things were clicking into place. I also feel like there was, you know, uh, this podcast, we probably did more interviews remotely than we would have done in, in an ideal world, but we did do some travel and the travel that we did, like when sitting face to face with sources, I felt like we ended up being able to really like 
build out parts of the story and understand parts of the story that maybe wouldn't have been able to happen. So I was really grateful that even though, you know, it was like the pandemic and so much was happening, we were able to go to Minnesota and go to DC and just really meet people and kind of gain some trust. um, So that when we started putting things together, there was like a base to a base of understanding. And even just like in the museum, you know, the scene of the crime, it, it, it was really great. This was now my second time there, but this time going there and knowing so much, like to just be able to figure out what really happened. I feel like it was incredibly useful to, to be in there with John Kalsh and just like kind of see what was happening. Yeah. That is surreal. I need like a behind the scenes documentary about you making this podcast. (laughs) I think that we keep talking about this, like in like side notes, I think on our podcast, if like anyone wants to like, you know, I think people get really afraid to touch the property of the Wizard of Oz. There really hasn't been anything as magical, I guess, or as masterful as the MGM. It's all very interesting interpretations, though. We're in the Wiz right now and we're we're living our best lives in the Wiz which I think in stage version is superb. Um, but like there is, there isn't quite, I, I, we do know that there is a wizard of Oz coming up and out. We're not quite sure what the style is going to be on that, but I think this is it. Like this is the stuff that needs a movie. This like behind, like the, <laughs> the even the making of the film, because yeah. it is the his that history. You, you guys scratched the surface too of that with like Judy, which I loved mm. the Judy episode mm-hmm. so much. Like just also hearing fans and yeah, man, she meant a lot to people. Yeah, the the opening of that episode where the guy talks about going to the concert, um, and we, you know, the editor Alistair, who's an incredible editor, by the way, like the audio is what it is because Alistair is a genius. Um, but at the beginning of that episode, you know, he intersperses the the source. Um, why am I totally spacing on who it was? Um, John Fricky. John Fricky. Fricky, John Fricky. Thank you. I was like, John James? Um, mm-hmm. John Fricky, um, you know, talking about going to the concert. And then you hear Judy. And there's that moment where that she comes cool. back out on stage and she says, aren't you tired? And the audience is like, no. And like the every time I've heard that, because we had to listen to these episodes so many times, right? I would get chills. There was something yeah, just so fun. powerful about that moment and that feeling of people just being like, we do not want to let you go. Like, and for, for better and for worse, right? Like they loved her, but that love was obviously enormously taxing. So um, I, I too really love that episode. Um, And I'm not somebody who, you know, grew up, knew who Judy Garland was, but it was never, you know, I wasn't like deeply schooled in like her, her legacy or her music. Um, And uh, it was very, very cool to, to be able to spend time learning about that, but also like really hearing her. Yes. I mean, we had a 12 hour drive this past weekend. We did two 12 hour drives within the weekend. So that was 24 hours of driving. driving. Our last two hours, it was like, Judy, get us home. We put on Carnegie Hall. Hall. She's like, you know, effing up lyrics and just like (laughs) living her truth in the best way. Cause it's like, you know, this was towards the, this was the earlier 60s. So towards that, we know that she was struggling a lot to even get onto stage. Um, so it's like, yeah, she's still getting me through my hard moments in 2021 yeah. of like what your podcast does. I don't think anyone else has really quite touched upon though, is how she means so much to strangers, but not to her home. Like mm. it's like, what? that was crazy. Like that is 
crazy. I mean, Grand Rapids, like the museum is different, but like Mm -hmm. the people outside of the museum who inhabit this town, like strangers like us are going to go to that museum. Like we're not Grand Rapids people, (laughs) but we'll go to that museum and be like, yes. But the fact that there was some like dissonance within the town and like, oh, she's not really like that. She's not really our hometown girl. She turned her back on us. And she wanted to go back there when, or like, no, like Louis B. Mayer wouldn't let her sing there. Um, And like, so she had this kind of interruption of like defining home for herself, which is really interesting. I mean, I think she had extreme circumstances as a human being, a young, young girl at a time where she had addict behaviors that no one had any language, no one had anything to help this girl out with. And she's thrown to the wolves um, of the Hollywood powers that be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, ate her, they ate her up. Like the fact that yeah. she lived as long as she did, I think is astounding. Like that yeah. she survived for so long, but just connecting in into like Judy, like what she means to us still today, that she's helping two New York girls get over the get over the George Washington Bridge when they're on like no sleep, <laughs> like getting us <laughs> through that. You, you know, thank you, Judy. Like there yeah. is something that is undefinable about that voice. Mm-hmm. The fact that this was like the pure time, like right before we all knew that stuff was gonna, like you know, that her like just she would go through a lot of struggles. This is we didn't know that was happening. I guess with this film. Right. Um, is so, so sad and also so, so, I think we could all identify with it in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, we talk about the religious aspect of it. Like, I've made, I love this. we yeah. talk about, you know, St. Judy, um, as, <laughs> you know, if, if we're talking about the religion as like American capitalism. And I should say that, like, we're Whoa. saying no, no, like, moral code in this religion, right? But if you're thinking right. of it as like a thing to which you profess, faith and you give your money to and you know uh i went to catholic school growing up so like i'm very much thinking of the catholic church here um (laughs) you know she's the ultimate saint and martyr to that um to like the excesses um and uh and that was something yeah like we we thought about so so much and the ways in which you know like we wouldn't have something as awesome as the wizard of oz if the system didn't exist, right? But then, like, what are the yep. tools of that system? Yeah. Like, how do you how like do you talk a Renaissance about Church? Yeah, exactly. It's a yes, exactly. Yes. There you go. Mm-hmm. See, see, Ariel and I are going to go back and get a PhD <laughs> like, together, um, and it's just going to be. This is like the beginnings of it. You guys are seeing the the bones. <laughs> um, we are. Your Can we be club? your students? Like, <laughs> yeah. when you, like yeah. we're there. Oh my gosh. And what you're saying about that capitalistic element is so inextricably tied to the Ruby slippers. I mean, yes, yes. The the, symbol of all all Hollywood, all glitz and glamour, riches. Emerald City is that. Yeah, that's Emerald City. I got chills. Even just the last, your last episode is called They Don't Want to Be Owned. (gasps) They don't want to be owned. You're right. They don't. And and it's proven. And I'm not sure how much like awareness you had of the Oz collecting community before you got into this, but everyone's different. Everyone has their different reasons for collecting, but just hearing Michael Shaw's perspective and how many millions upon millions of dollars past pairs of Ruby of the Ruby slippers have sold for. And even going back to Kent Warner, when he found discovered them, oh, Kent, um, that, those stories, oh. there is like this element of pride um, of like wanting to prove something through these slippers and even just this story that you uncovered, it's like they have a life of their own. 
and a mind yeah. of their own. They're and witches' shoes. They they're witches' shoes. shoes. We can't forget that. So they're like, I have shoes <laughs> right now. There's just this like, this story is so they're fascinating. <laughs> I know. Or Reese Thomas, who who wrote uh, the Ruby Slippers of Oz, he won't even touch them. <laughs> I. I still I have nightmares about that still like I don't know if I could ever touch them now because of what he said on your podcast um (laughs) so I'm curious you know any any feedback you got from Oz fans or even just general listeners or your friends or you mentioned your husband's like even a non-Oz fan. Or like who became an Oz who fan became because an Oz of fan. this. I, yeah. I will say I teach music and many of my students know I have an Oz podcast with Sarah and they started listening to your podcast and each week at the start of our lesson, we would talk about No Place Like Home before we started our lesson. Oh, tomorrow. that's so great. That's that's great. Now, Tuesdays now suck. Because yeah, we, we need more. Or <laughs> Bella. Yeah, I mean, I think like to talking husbands, like, you know, people, I just fascinated by people who, maybe we like really wouldn't have come to this material and especially people who wouldn't have come to this material and then really loved those, the, the Judy episode, the one that doesn't feel like it's like of a piece with the true crime, but it's just about this person and about, you know, this movement in Hollywood and just like hearing about people getting swept up in that, I think is like really gratifying um, because it just, you know, it means it, it, it means that it was able to kind of get there. I also think something that's nice is that they, in Grand Rapids, they became like podcast super fans. <laughs> like they had it on at the police department. They have it on at the museum. <laughs> um, so it was like, kind of, that seems strange. Like I can't imagine like a podcast about me, like being blasted in my local, like Walgreens. <laughs> I don't know what the equivalent would be, but like, <laughs> you know, that would be very oh strange. God. But just like having them sort of experience their own lives again through a podcast and and not hating it. I mean, I'm sure there's very mixed, very mixed feelings about it, but, you know, sort of like thinking that we had captured some aspect of it was, was really gratifying to hear about. Totally. Yeah. And I, I had a conversation the other day with um, a friend of mine who uh, he works in like counterintelligence (laughs) And he listened to the podcast because he's a great friend. Um, But it was fun. It was like, he's not a guy I would like think to talk about the Ruby slippers with, but he was totally into it. I also found out at this brunch that we hadn't seen him in a while. He was like, yeah, I actually just moved over. I'm working at the FBI. And I was like, can you talk to your peers, sir? (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He works in like a completely different, but it was just, it was just like, and I think he like shared it with his friends and like, you know, that kind of stuff um, where, uh, it's just, it's fun. Like the, the friends who want to talk to you about it. I also have a friend who works in LA. He's like a comedian actor. Um, he was super into it. Um, and especially the Judy stuff. Um, and so, yeah, just hearing from people and being really surprised by, um, like I got a text. I can't, I honestly can't even remember who it was. Maybe it was the friend in LA who was like, um, wow, I didn't have that on my bingo card with one of the reveals at the end because it just felt so like, but, but I think pe- if, if you're really into it, like you do kind of have your bingo card where you're like, I bet it's this yeah. and this, you know? Um, and he was like, wow, I just did not even see that coming. So, um, so yeah, but I, we haven't gotten, I'm trying to think maybe Ariel, you've gotten like more kind of like just general messages about like Oz stuff, especially because you, you did most of or all of the reporting, I should say, like with the Oz community. Um, I feel like my feedback has my mother reviewed every episode. Of course, she would send me. <laughs> yes, we had a lot of family, um, family reviews. That's true. Mm-hmm, yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, I, I heard 
mostly good. No one wrote me to be like, this was all wrong and, and got we it wrong. Which is nice. Except there was one, like, you know, there's sometimes where they're like, there's some quibbles about what we included or what we did not include. But it did seem like from what I had heard, you know, even like John Fricky was like, sounds all good on the Facebook groups, you know, that there is that that there was some sense that we had like done our homework and produced yeah. something, um, something that, yeah. And you never, like, it's like we were saying about sort of scratching the surface only, you know, there's so much that we don't know or we learned, but couldn't include. Um, and every, I mean, something that was so appealing about doing this as a podcast was like, you could take all these digressions into these worlds. Right. But like, you want to go, you could spend, you could spend years, right. Like in like yeah. the making of the wizard of Oz, like in any one of these kind of, pieces of the story you could do forever <laughs> we're here um yeah you, like, you guys exactly get it um, well i and- i just remembered another piece of not feedback but like a funny thing i got was you know the academy museum is finally opening in los angeles and yeah. they have one of the pairs of the slippers and they have a whole like portion of it of the museum that's dedicated to um the wizard of oz and i guess like in their pr emails or whatever promo they've been doing which a friend of mine happens to be like on like listservs for um they're really highlighting the wizard of oz and he's like every time i get one of these my first thought is i really hope they have good security (laughs) (laughs) we have these shoes not a lot of yeah i'm sure i was like don't worry like i'm sure they have excellent security that's a fair point i know yeah and i like getting calls from people being like you have to you have to tell me what's going to happen which would happen like i get calls from people asking me to like reveal further which i love because it meant that people were like into the into the story um and i did not reveal usually anything that's going to happen <laughs> i feel like oh. y'all cracked it like i was like this has to be what happened like i really was on board with everything and it is like oh it's not as theatrical i guess it's like more like underground like you have to understand the local culture mm-hmm. like what you said like the prominent figure oh we thought like someone of Hollywood. leonardo dicaprio <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah like a, a collector or like just something like I, I don't even know what I thought I I don't I don't think I know what I thought I just thought it was so odd I mean the oddest thing is that their security cameras were just not on like it's like oh, that is sketch how change. how but that, I, I mean it is 2000 it was 2005 is that the year 2005 still though that's like what on. like you it just better, feels yeah. so like oh man that just you're asking for it if that is one of the facts um, I guess I don't know what I thought, but I was like, oh, it was so fun to get into the local culture. Yeah. And the, ma- I mean, I also, one of my favorite loves is the mafia. Like I'm an Italian from Jersey. So like <laughs> Sopranos, Godfather, give it to me. That new show that's going to be the prequel to the Sopranos. I'm like October <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1st. Newark. Yeah. yeah. Can't come fast it. enough. Can't come fast enough. Um, but yeah, like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course, local mobster culture would be right. affiliated with this because local mobster culture is always aff- affiliated with mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hollywood. Like, there's yeah. there's always that connection because they add that CD element. Yeah. Right. To- right. Yeah. yeah. Are you? Oh, no, I was just gonna say, I mean, everything. It's so interesting. You just said so many things that reminded me of like various American mythologies that like collide here because, mm. you know, to the point, I mean, certainly we have, you know, the mythology of the wizard of oz and what it means to the culture and there's no place like home and 
you know, you have the power to take yourself home and all that stuff. But then even like talking about the security cameras being turned off, you know, this myth of like, we're a town where nobody has to lock their doors. Cause like, right. you know, there's crime kind of happens this, in like, the big city, right. Crime yeah. happens in the big city. But then of course, like as our true crime, as a culture, like our obsession with true crime shows, like never, that's exactly where these, you know, yeah. And now it's never a big city. Um, yeah. And then on top of that, kind of the like, you know, uh, American dream and how that gets uh, like perverted in into, uh, you know, the way that the mafia operated, like to get on top of the like American capitalist system, blah, 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 blah. Like, I feel like there's just so much where it's like, mm-hmm. this is a show, a story that is fundamentally about America's mythologies and contradictions. Um, and they just all it's like they're all in a pot, like getting st- like a witch's yeah. like pot yeah. getting stirred yeah. together you know mm-hmm. and we're so good at that we are so good at being contradicting like i think that yeah. is american yeah. culture it's just like because we have so we have freedom here that mm-hmm. means we get to invent what we want sometimes with mm-hmm. our stories that we tell or like how like it does it truly feels like we have like little studios movie studios each person is a movie studio yeah. just trying like move <laughs> through you know oh, i and, like that and like, yeah. it does feel like that sometimes because it's like we have we have that power here, which again, like is a brilliant thing about this country. But it also like we are learning from all of our Oz conversations. Power can easily be abused. Always. Right. Corrupt. Yeah. yeah. Intoxicate all the things. And something that you guys were talking about earlier with the um, the sort of like small town, ta- like Judy and her like kind of uncomfortable relationship with Grand Rapids. I mean, I don't, I don't love that like for Judy, but I, I love that aspect of the story because I think it's yeah. like that really rich. That's like the American piece too. Somebody like yeah. leaves their town and goes and sort of like has this whole different life, and then it's really uncomfortable and it's like it's not easy. And at the same time, she's really you know looking back and saying, "My childhood was happy. My childhood was the best time of my life." And then meanwhile, at the town, they're like we feel abandoned. She's too big for us. She was addicted to drugs, you know, all these, all these feelings and sort of like how, and then, you know, it's like the town that doesn't want to do anything with Judy is like the town that forever is going to be associated with the Ruby slippers, like with this sort of like, they're like, you know, it's like a theme park. It's not a theme park, but like, you know, this idea of it really defining them. Um, I just felt like in that, you know, talking about these sort of like American mythologies and, and sort of like story arcs, um, that was a really, it was really interesting for me. We need another season. I know. We need a whole other season. I know, we need, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we were talking about like, what would we do if we did another season? And like, I don't know, because I don't think there's more, I mean, there's always more to talk about with regard to the crime, but I also feel like, I don't know. You know, it's like, do we take an object from the Wizard of Oz? Yeah, yeah. What's like the... Or like, whatever. What's Um, the glue? Yeah, what's the glue, basically, that holds it all all together? I was just curious. So having gone through and been a part of this journey and spoken, sometimes face-to-face with all of these characters, and this was eight episodes long, and you're thinking about a season two, do you feel... Like, are there any burning questions or things that keep you up at night about this still? Because <laughs> there are for me. And so you, as the creators, I'm just wondering, like, yeah. where are you? Where do you sit with this whole Ruby Slipper heist specifically? Um, do you feel complete with it? Has it inspired something? No. <laughs> no Excellent. We don't either. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, Wait, I need to go hang out with them. What's happening? <laughs> questions yeah I mean I, I feel like this idea that there's like some kind of you know there is still this Grand Rapids possible connection is like always gonna 
until I understand it, it's going to sort of like be under my skin. Um, and just like, you know, really being able to, to understand that. Cause that was always, I mean, it's like this big fear of the place and like, you know, it kind of relates to that idea of like a small town and trust. Um, and I find that to be really, you know, just wish we, wish we totally understood that also like this idea of where the slippers are going to go, you know, like how do you take an object that doesn't want to be owned? Like, you know, where where are they going to go and and what's going to happen i mean i do think it's like yeah i think in terms of thinking about doing another story it's it's more i don't think i don't know how much more slippers we have but some of some of the some of the ideas and themes of the story were just like so fun to play in um and you know how you could maybe explore those those further feel like yeah. really really appealing I agree. And I want to fly to Florida and knock on the doors of a certain condo complex and talk to yeah. a handful of residents. Some people. Oh, gosh. My my dad actually was like, oh, have you heard of this town? Florida. And it was the town in question. <laughs> um, and I was like, I don't know if we should go there for a vacation. Not sure. No, 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 no. Or you should. Or you should. Florida, and man. Vacation. And you, or you invite like, me along. To, yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, yes. no, that that would be yeah. my, that's like my, that's my burning question. I have so many questions about yeah. um, what happened in Florida. Yeah. Um, like, we think we have a pretty good yeah. idea, but I still, yeah. And the slippers were in Florida. So that's where we don't totally know. And that's, I think like, no. that's the other unanswered question, right? Is like, we think so, but where were they at every point in the story? <laughs> like, we, we maybe know the players, but we don't really know, like, where were the shoes at every point? And that's what the FBI has said, that they really are interested in sort of like tracking the path. But I do think it's difficult. It's like a long period of time. People are often, there's a lot of elderly people in the story who are, you know, yeah. hard. Um, and so, you know, is, is that possible to really know, really know what happened, even if you've spent like years trying to figure it out? Um, and with like the Florida thing, it reminded me, you know, something that I struggle with a lot in journalism in general is like, you, you think you know, but like you never really can understand why people do things, right? Like you don't, you don't always know. Often right, you, right. And it's sort of like wrong to presume that you could know. I think that's like what's yeah. interesting about it a lot of the time. But, you know, this idea of like, why? Like, why does someone say yes instead of no to do something? Right. Like, why does someone make a poor decision? Why does someone, you know, make this decision that's going to like change their life? And now we know it, you know, through the story. I think that stuff is really fascinating and it always is like, you want to know everyone's motivations all the time. And that's, I don't feel like I do that. I have that sense yet in this story about everyone. And so it'll kind of stay with me. I I feel like it's, this podcast is a great place to practice the idea of like coincidences, not conspiracy, (laughs) you know, like that, I think, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like our culture or just minds want to understand everything or like right. it can't be a coincidence. But it's like, what if it is? Like, what if it just is a coincidence right. in that? And you also just made me think of, um, I recently watched maybe a couple months ago, the Who Killed Malcolm X um, that was on Netflix. Oh, I haven't seen it. Oh my gosh. I mean, I don't want to like spoil anything, but like because of the age of this crime of this man who this one man who's determined to figure out who actually killed Malcolm X because there was the whole cover up involved and the people who went to jail were wrongfully accused. Um, he figures it out, but 
it's really upsetting like how it ends because of like the time that's passed. Yeah. Um, mm. and he can't, he's never going to get his questions answered. It's essentially. never, there's never, it's never going to be wrapped up. So like that, that like having to live, like you just devoted so much of your life to this. Like I was thinking about that as we were, we were speaking, but also just like in this world, we did a little bit of investigating ourselves with the new gingham dress that I'm sure you heard about being. Yeah. Wearing. Yeah. Yes. Like I was yeah. like, Oh my God, all this is happening at once, at which once? I think is cool. Like that's like, Okay, Synergy. universe. I see. Like Judy's, like see me again. Like here's here's all my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like we interviewed the man who discovered the dress, Matt Rifa. Already stories like I'm already seeing being retold differently. I was just like, I know. oh, I was like, okay, interesting. Um, but the little rabbit hole that it opened up, I was like, oh, I want to live in this because it's yeah. all this showbiz priest who who was the founder of the Catholic University Theater Department, Father Hartke, who was the um, priest during um, JFK's um, funeral, like, led, like, it's like, what? This is the man who owned this gingham dress? And, like, the dress was the symbol of sobriety and hope at the school in the 70s. Like, just all this, you're like, whoa, like, this Father Harkey, Catholic University, like, all this other stuff just come, like, opening up just because of a dress. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's all endless and I don't know, just like, I think Wizard of Oz does an ama- amazing job of tying in so many different parts of our culture. And like the fact that we're talking to journalists, we've never, <laughs> we don't hang with journalists if Not you can't tell. Often. So yeah. it's just like, Oh, like, but look, like we have this like shared common thread. Yeah. It's just wild how this all unfurls. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that was the other thing, like just in thinking about this show, it was like, even if you've only watched the Wizard of Oz once right like you probably remember it and like you certainly are aware of its you know influence culturally and so this show is kind of for everybody in that regard um and one thing ariel and i talked about a lot especially toward like the end of the show was re-watching the wizard of oz and realizing you know every time you watch it it's different like you see different things um and i feel like you know that's also what makes it such an enduring um well, I, I should say it's, it's almost like a like a well of like an endless well of possible symbols, right? Because you can pull right. it, it, it can things from the movie can mean so many different things, um, depending on you know when you interpret it and how you interpret it. Um, and uh, and that was a really fun part. I watched it. I want to say it was like early July, so we put out the last episode at the end of July, and I watched it in in early July. And um, I had kind of waited like intentionally to get through a lot of the podcasts to rewatch it. Um, And I really was struck by things that I just hadn't, it wasn't even that I hadn't noticed them before. I just hadn't like, they had not risen to the top of things that I noticed, if that makes sense, you know? Um, And I'm like, okay, well, if I watched it again, would I feel differently? I don't know. It's just this like kind of fascinating like totem where you're able to um, respond to it so differently every time. Yep. Yes. And I, <laughs> I don't think it's go- going to end. Like I I'm realizing in our conversation, I have not accepted that sometimes, like I wouldn't be a good journalist because I'd be like, no, I need to know why <laughs> this keeps me up at night. But that would be, you would be a great journalist. <laughs> yeah. really, that's, yeah. that's like, that's basically the quality, like the most it's important. It's just like being kind of nosy. Yeah. I'm yeah. joining a PhD program. Yeah, me too. Um, but that acceptance of like, okay, I just need to use this information that I have. Um, but I'm reminded at the beginning of your very first episode, um, you you said a word that I think encapsulates a lot of 
what this story of the ruby slippers means and that is obsession and obsession isn't a bad thing it's sort of how it it can manifest in different areas of in different ways in your life but i think that is why the ruby slippers you know there's a couple pairs out there and some of them we're not even sure what's yeah. happening with them but the thing is they won't last forever they really won't just material wise um and so i think even if and when they're all gone, your podcast is going to live on and there yeah. might be a season two because there is this element of obsession, whether that's owning them or just knowing every single inf- piece of information about them or how they're made. So I just think you really tapped into such a broader uh, broader idea that extends beyond Oz, that extends beyond the slippers. And so we just want to thank you for your incredible work and please do a season two. Yeah. <laughs> and I try to find no, some anything. material. Yeah, something. Really carry it through. We yeah, are fans of, of, so whatever you do, we are, we're going to, we're going yeah, to. Yeah. And we were looking at your bodies of work in journals yeah. and we're like, Oh, we have to go down. There's other rabbit holes. Right y'all are down. fabulous. Yeah. It's really so happy we got yeah. to meet you through the Oz world. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I will say that something that I loved about this show was that was like meeting people in the Oz world or even like I would just go. I mean, that is something that I think I like about journalism and you you might like about your job, too, is that you just end up going places and being, you know, you're sitting with people and you're getting this real insight into these worlds and they're all so fascinating and just like making connections with people that, that you wouldn't have. And I feel like the story for me really um, has done that and is continuing, continuing to do so. And it's kind of great. Yeah, no, I I echo that immediately. I mean, Ariel, like very much got to meet people face to face in a way that I didn't since I was more just in a hosting and editing capacity. But even, I mean, certainly like Ariel and I got to know each other really well in the course of working on this. And that was so cool. Um, But then, you know, one of the things I love about any journalistic project, I think one of the reasons I am a journalist is because I love being really obsessed with something for a period of time and kind of getting to be a mini expert and talk to all of the experts. (laughs) But then, you know, we're omnivorous. We get to move on. Um, Like we're not beat reporters. Um, And uh, and there's something really, really fun about that and getting to, I feel like I just get to talk to so many interesting people as a result. And I learned so much making this podcast. I learned, first of all, how to make a podcast. Um, but I also, you know, learned more about the Wizard of Oz, Judy Garland, yes, like so like many things. Number one and, now, and also like I have like, yeah. right. And I, and I also have like names of people like, I'm like, oh, this person is an expert in this. I never would have known that. And it's just, I don't know. It's like building up this like Rolodex of just like humanity, which is so cool. Um, so uh, yeah, no, thank you for, thank you for being some of those people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It was really great talking to you. And yeah, it made me like, it's always, it's funny. I always think I spent so much time on the story. And then when I talk to people about it, I get like re excited every, almost every time I just sort of like fall, fall in again. It's really easy to kind of slip, slip under it every time. It's just not, I, there is some, it's just like, it's, it is like toxic. The obsession word again. Yeah. Like, yeah, it is so easy to just be obsessed with this world because yeah. it is like sad. There's a satisfying element yeah. to it. Yeah. And like, oh. we all could use rainbows, especially now with all the stuff yes. that we're trying to, like, you know, <laughs> sift through coming out of this pandemic time. Yeah. You know, all of it, all of it. It's definitely like, it's still a refuge, too. Yeah. Oh, say word, Ariel. Totally. Thank you so much for your time. So great to meet you. You too. Thank you you so much.
Thank you so much for listening to Down the Yellow Brick Pod. If you are feeling frisky with your fingertips, scroll on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a glowing rate and review. Each person who leaves us a review will be entered to win our end-of-the-season Oz giveaways, including a gift basket of musical adaptation goods, which, trust me, you aren't going to want to miss. All previous reviews will also be considered in our entries. We see you. Until next time, catch us at Down the Yellow Brick Pod in our Technicolor scrapbook on IG and partying on our Patreon. Gratitude to our patrons of present and future for making more magic possible. Let's escape to Oz soon, okay? TTYL!